Hello, welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. And um, in this episode, I'll be beginning um, a look at seven more, yeah, seven more books by Mark Twain. Um, and a few other travel writings will be thrown in there too. Um, and it'll take another 20 episodes. I'll finish up our reading of, of Mark Twain's novels. Um, we're going to start with the remaining travel writings and then jump into uh, Gilded Age, American Claimant, um, and the later uh, Tom Sawyer works. So, uh, yeah, I guess this puts us about halfway through our look at, at Mark Twain. I guess we'll still have the short writings to deal with, but um, we'll see if I'm up for it when we get to that point. But I, at least we'll do the next seven books before, um, before we decide, like, decide if we want to keep doing this or, or not or move on to, to another writer. Um, but today we'll begin looking at A Tramp Abroad. Um, this, this book I, I rather like. Um, I enjoyed it when I read it before. Um, what I like about this, it, it's kind of a sequel to um, Innocence Abroad. And it's, but it's a more lived in book. It's, it's not a tourist account in quite the same way that Innocence Abroad is. Innocence Abroad is, it's very rushed. It's, it's, you get the feeling of like a tourist, like we got to see this site, we got to get this site. I complained about that a lot when I was reading that book. Not that it doesn't have good stuff and good reflections. It's just, it very much feels like a travel log of someone whose like schedule has been made for, by someone else. In A Tramp Abroad, we, we get to see Mark Twain just live for a year and a half in Europe. And, and he sees things, he experiences things like on his own pace and out of his own curiosity. Like he's able to do things like try to visit the prison the, the, for students at the university or do his reflections on the German language. And of course, uh, he's in Germany at this time to you know, just sojourn for a year and a half. But he's there to learn art, oil painting, and he's there to learn German. And, you know, he has the time to, like, go to operas. He has the time to, to, you know, dwell on dueling, to collect stories, to, you know, to, it's just, it's, it's how I like travel, right? I don't do the tourist stuff very much, but, you know, I've lived abroad for so long that I'm more sympathetic to this kind of reflection on, on, on tourism. So, actually, uh, I'm only going to read the first twelve. Ch- I only read the first twelve chapters for this episode, um, and they have some of the appendices. Appendices, almost. I think there's six of appendices. They all are on the German part of the book, which is the early part of the book, and mostly they're reflections on deeper dives into stuff that happened early on in the book. So when I started reading the the appendices, I found like even after only just 12 chapters, after 70 pages. So I've actually covered about 100 pages worth of material, including the very massive um, essay on the German language, which really is kind of a, almost like a standalone work. Um, and yeah, so uh, what are my thoughts on this? Well, well, we can start with the title. Um, this is, obviously Twain wrote many travel narratives throughout his career, I think, Wikipedia says six. We're looking at five here. I think that includes like his letters from, if you count, count his letters from Hawaii, you get six or, or maybe there's some of the shorter works are counted. I don't know why they say six. Maybe there's one I don't know of or didn't think about, but the Library of America collected five, right? This is written 
between Roughing It and Life on the Mississippi. Right, so the first was Innocence Abroad, then Roughing It came out, then Innocence, or then Tramp Abroad, then Life on the Mississippi, and then finally Around the Equator. Um, and that one is more of a tour of empire, that last one. And it's, uh, I'll have a lot to say about that when I get there, probably four or five episodes on Following the Equator, which is just a much more cynical, brutal honest work um this is midpoint in his career where he's still largely coming at it as a humorist and trying to like make the humorous comments on what he sees and and reflect on how like it's still an american observing other cultures and and kind of you know but he but he loses the innocence right it's in the title right He's making a more serious attempt to get to know a place by living there with his family for a prolonged period of time. So he's not innocent. He's not, and at this point in his life, he's not innocent anymore. This is between the writing of Tom Sawyer and the writing of Huckleberry Finn, right? Where he starts to take himself more seriously. There's still funny stuff and comical stuff in humorous writing. There's a lot of it in A Tramp Abroad. But we, we start to see him taking his own taking himself as an intellectual, as a thinker, a little bit more seriously, I think. And that's all very much to the good, I think, here. Um, the sections of the book devoted to his experiences in Germany and Italy are broken up with bits of real American literature, like uh, the Blue Jay story, as in the first part. Um, he, there's also short stories constructed by Twain set in America. And this is, he's kind of continuing his approach in Innocence Abroad, where he's kind of like juxtaposing American life and European life and their attitude towards folklore and tradition. But he's able to do that here because he's actually taken the time to learn like German folklore. And, and so setting them, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have the quite rushed feel that you have in Innocence Abroad. Um, and he even has attempts here at writing like original German folklore, right? Um, you know, they're not the most successful, but he's, there's more of, I think of a, of a serious dialogue here than more than like, you know, the, the goofy Americans running around Europe, you know, seeing the David and not understanding what it is. Right. So in almost every way, this is a more serious book. Um, and, and I'm really attracted in this book of how much attention Twain puts forth to understanding the world he was put in, right? He's not, obviously he's not innocent. It's not the innocence abroad too. It's a tramp abroad. And why tramp? Well, he's on, on his feet much of the time. He's not on a ship. He's not uh, on railroads. He's, he's not seeing the sights. He's not just looking at Europe through the lens of being an American. He's actually getting into the head, like even like learning the language. Right? And he struggles with it, obviously, and that leads to one of his most well-known and funny essays on the German language. But he's he's stopping to smell the roses. Um, he gets to understand the culture of German students, for instance, whether it's their, their uh, you know, the fact that they get thrown in jail sometimes or their, or their wonderful stuff about their fencing and, and dueling clubs that are established. And then, of course, the, it's still a very class-based society. That's always going to be a contrast between Europe and America through Twain's eyes is the much more rigid class structure. But that's, that's informing these dueling clubs, right? That there, it is kind of an aristocratic uh, culture that's infected the students. Um, 
you know, he sees Wagner operas, which they never would have had time to do in Innocence Abroad because, you know, a Wagner opera is an all-day affair, right? He visits out-of-the-way castles. He walks to out-of-the-way castles that aren't, wouldn't have been on the normal tourist sites. He makes friends with the people he lives in, and obviously he, he's learning German. Um, it's... Now, just like with Innocence Abroad, where we're supposed to take observations with skepticism, because I think he's, he's, it is transitional <clears throat> from, in a, in a way, I, I think life on the Mississippi also has like a profound seriousness to it that around the equator does. And this, I think, is verging towards that seriousness. Maybe we can be skeptic. There's still tall tales. There's still myth-making going on here and exaggeration. But we see more of everyday life, right? Now there's misunderstandings. He doesn't understand everything he sees. He doesn't, it's language, right? Like he'd sit there and watch these operas and not know what's going on or very funny moment where he's like at King Lear and, you know, he doesn't understand anything on the stage and he's, he's just kind of, there is a veil uh, to what he's seen, um, which, so there's still a little bit of innocence maybe in, in Mark Twain in this account but it's not the same. It's really not the same. It's a really, I think it makes it a better work for, for, for me. So, so take his look at Lohengrin. He goes to see Lohengrin. I, I like opera. I especially like Wagner. And I understand the comments like, oh, you can't just like Wagner. You have to learn to like Wagner. And, and for Twain, that's kind of like a weird thing. Like either you like music or you don't. How can you learn to like music? But that's certainly true with classical music, right? People take college classes on music appreciation. And like, you can listen to a Mozart uh, symphony without understanding sonata form and, and rather enjoy it. But if you take the time to learn sonata form and how themes are developed in the middle part of a, of a movement and, and recapitulated and, and understanding tone, like uh, understanding um, the tonal conflict in sonatas, if you understand that stuff, you're going to appreciate it more, right? And certainly that's the case with like Wagner's operas, I think. But, you know, there is something kind of humorous about him sitting there like an American, like what the hell's going on? And all these Germans, like with their full attention, totally in the moment for for five hours, right? And Twain, or Twain doesn't really get it, but he understands he doesn't get it, right? He's not, he's not as stupid about it as he comes off in Innocence Abroad. Um, so obviously the operas of Richard Wagner and maybe all German opera, we suppose are kind of horrible to Twain's ears, uh, quote, a German lady in Munich told me that a person could not like Wagner's music at first, but must go through the deliberate process of learning to like it. Then he would have a sure reward, but this is the same as for visiting and encountering other cultures, right? Is this what he couldn't do in Innocence Abroad? is learn to like something, to learn to appreciate something, right? Um, so the studying of why students duel or, or how aristocratic students are punished in, the, in, in their jails. We're even understanding how hotel cultures are and the tipping culture, or well, the fee culture, I think it's called here, but it's, it's essentially it's kind of a tipping culture that he has to understand. He has to learn those cultural aspects and that takes time it takes a deliberate effort it means you're going to have to like be a student and not just a tourist 
And that's what he's doing here. And to his credit, he is taking that step towards actually trying to understand these cultures. Once you endure all the painful aspects of a foreign culture, the annoyances, the bizarre ways of looking at the world from your point of view, then you can start to appreciate it, right? And if you live abroad long enough, you, you go through this process, right? First things are annoying. Then you learn to appreciate them and have wonder at them. Then, you know, depending on how big the culture divide is, the annoyances can build up, but you, you, you understand it, right? And you come to terms with it. And then that changes you. And that changes how you look at the world. Like the dueling folklore in this book, an American piece of folklore next to like a German piece of folklore about like something like Blue Jays or something, like understanding something from two different points of view. It's, it's more of like dialectic process that he actually is engaging in here. It's like, it's almost Hegelian where you have like the, 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 the dialectical conflict, so just like in a sonata, right? Where you have the competing ideas coming to some kind of synthesis. Um, and he's going through that. He's making that effort to understand things. Um, now, sometimes he doesn't get beyond the surface, um, you know, and there's lots of examples of that, like, the student's tendency to form organizations. You know, he doesn't fully get that, but he really, he still spends five chapters, four or five chapters about dueling, all right? Maybe at the end of the day, he, he's just learning enough to get by. But he's doing more, all right? Because he has the time to do it. Um, and, and I think this is the attitude that someone on foreign land should, should essentially have. It's like a humble objectivity that he he comes in and he doesn't have that in innocence abroad i i really don't think so it's and that's why it's, it's more like roughing it roughing it had that same thing but but that's more about like twain's life how you know he this is going to be his, his home right his job his career he's talking about those kind of real daily life stuff um but this is the middle ground between those two he's still a traveler he can always just get on a boat and go back to america Anytime he wants. He has the money to do that, the the fame. But no, he's gonna like try to get his head around Germany and Italy. But in the first part of the book it's all Germany. Right? So he spends like two hundred pages of this book, including writing one of the most famous essays on the German language. You know, he's he spends the first half in Germany. It's it's great stuff. It really is. I'm really, really impressed by this this book. So that's more or less my approach that I'm going to come at uh, a tramp abroad. Um, the topics in the first 12 pages or so, I've already said some of them. Um, he's he's in like Heidelberg for almost the whole section of what um, I'm reading here. Um, and his first kind of juxtaposition about American and German culture is this... Uh, the, the Jim Baker Blue Jay yarn, which is fully in American. It's, it's, it's written in an American dialect. It's an American tall tale, essentially. A story that he's pulling from American traditions. But that's coming from thoughts about like what ravens, how ravens talk in German thoughts on ravens communications with, with uh, people. So then he goes to uh, student life in, in Heidelberg. And the, especially the five cores, right? These are like the dueling clubs that are established. And, and that's something he doesn't fully understand, like why they, 
why they engage in this dueling. There is a, like a culture shock and a cultural gap there. But again, he, he spends the time to, to try to understand it, whether it's from aristocratic remnants or student culture or, or student like the values of a, of a declining aristocracy. So after talking about the dueling, of course, we have the appendices. One's on um, the castle of Heidelberg. So it's one of these side quests that goes on walking tours of, of nearby castles. Again, things you wouldn't get in the, the quick paced tourist economy of Innocence Abroad. Uh, he got he, there's one about the prisons. This is, I think, what really kind of put things together. It's like he heard about the, the this kind of jail for for troublemaking students and of course these students are aristocratic so that it's they have to kind of negotiate with them like are you going to serve your time or not because students they have authority and money and, and prestige compared to the police but and but he's like i want to go to this prison right so he goes there and he even like writes down the graffiti he sees there it's like i was struck by like he's really doing something different here he's not looking at like the the pyramids he's looking at the graffiti in a in a student jail in heidelberg like that's a really awesome stuff it's like really trying to get the dirt of things um that's what i really like about it actually um then he uh then he talks about the opera and he has a few uh chapters on on especially wagner and his dislike of it but also he's observing the crowd and like why they don't clap between like there's because Wagner's operas don't have arias, right? So you clap at the end of the act. He's kind of struck by that. And the, he's really observing the audience because he doesn't really understand the, the stage. His German's okay, but it's not good enough to like follow an opera without with the nice subtitles you get these days. All right, then uh, then we have a little bit on him learning art. Um, and... And whatever, it's what he's there for. I, I'd like, I gotta dig up some of like Mark Twain's oil paintings if you ever if, if they're available if i can find them online um that'd be cool to see um and that's it and then he kind of gets back into like german folklore and, and stories from the middle ages so he's like I, like i said i'm kind of repeating myself here but he's like getting his feet in the dirt in kind of the blood and soil of of germany um and of course if we take the historical context of this this book um he was in Germany and he's this whole trip is in 1878, 79. So it's after Tom Sawyer's success, um, but before Huck Finn. So it's in that. It's around the time he did his research on the Prince of the Pauper and, and, and started working on those works as well. Um, in German history, though, this is like the point after German unification. It's where Germany like became it's like succeeded in its goal of becoming a unified nation state, right? Now there have been movements for that. There have been studies of German folklore, the Grimm brothers, and this all the way back to the Enlightenment, right? This was part of German Enlightenment thought uh, up to the revolutions of 1848. This idea of of a liberal order being formed, and of course that's not what Germany gets ultimately. Germany gets uh, an authoritarian unification through through Prussia, and so that's going to, I think, shape the the conversation away because we still have an we don't have a liberal order in germany at this point we have an aristocratic order but one that's engaging in the process of thinking through its own culture and place and ethnicity um and mark twain's kind of eyewitness to that that conversation 
So I guess that's, that's going to work as kind of an introduction to uh, A Tramp Abroad. Um, a really great book. I would recommend this one over Innocence Abroad if you only had to read one. I, I still think Roughing It is, is my favorite of them, maybe because it is about America uh, more than it's about this dialogue between Mark Twain and Europe. But uh, that said, I, I think this is a really fun one and i just love how he takes the time to enjoy things uh you know the things he he encounters so yeah a lot of praise for a tramp abroad um and it's, it's going to set us up for i think a much more serious work in in around the equator so that's gonna be it for now i in the next episode i'll cover um probably the rest of the german stuff i don't know i, I think it'll, it'll maybe up through page 180 or 170 in the Library of America version of it. Uh, I'm not quite sure where that's going to take us, but um, I know there's going to be a lot of good stuff in it because I've, I've read this before. Uh, it's been a few years, so it's, it's kind of coming into my, my mind fresh. So, um, yeah, if you've read it, let me know what you think of this book or my thoughts on it. I will uh, see you next time. Um, keep reading. Keep reading.